Welcome to the Flame. Um, good to have all of you here with us tonight um, on this uh, lovely rainy May evening. Uh, I'm very privileged uh, to know our speaker tonight for the last, I don't know, seven years or so. Hard to believe, right? Uh, I met Bridget on a pilgrimage to World Youth Day in Australia. And it was a trip I did not want to go on, but I'm very grateful I went or I wouldn't have met her. So uh, now I get to work with her every day here at the Chancery. So um, she has been a great witness of the Lord's work in her life and uh, the ways that God has been setting her life on fire, uh, becoming more and more who she's meant to be. So please welcome Bridget Decker. If you just pray with me, because I'm really nervous. <laughs> In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, I just ask that you use my voice this evening and help me to say that what that you want me to say, um, and to be silent when I'm supposed to be. Help me to speak with humble confidence and to give glory to you. I ask all this in your name. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. I've been um, reluctant to do this because I'm not very funny, so <laughs> hope you're not looking for a comedian because you're not going to find one. Um, in 2012, my senior year of college, my roommate asked me, if you had no fear, what would you do? And uh, my response was, I would go to South America. Um, her and I were both trying to figure out what we were going to do after graduation, and uh, a friend of mine that I had met at Totus Tuus had been inviting me for the last several years to come to Guyana, where she was living, where she was missioned. Um, and I continually denied her invitation because I was afraid. Um, I was afraid of traveling by myself. I was afraid of being in an unfamiliar place. I was afraid of leaving my family. And um, I think beneath all of those fears, I was mostly afraid of being alone. And um, despite my fear, I just really felt like the Lord was asking me to go. And so my, the spring of my senior year, I bought a one-way ticket um, to Guyana. And my parents weren't too happy because I had to start paying on my student loans, and because I booked my trip for the fall, I disqualified myself from taking a teaching position. So I had loans and no employment set up, which seemed really irresponsible to them. Um, and then before I left, I had to go get my vaccinations, and so I went to the doctor, and... Um, he pretty much gave me a packet of 101 ways to die in South America because it was like every disease you could contract and animals that might attack you and um, things to be aware of. And so I took the packet and I strategically hid it in my trunk so that my mom wouldn't find it because I knew she would just have an anxiety attack. And so um, all of this stuff was just not really helping as I was preparing to leave. Um, but I... August of that year I left and a good friend of mine drove me to the airport um, as we were driving there 
I have, I had to ask him to pull the cart over because I was, I think I was having an anxiety attack myself. <laughs> and um, um, we pulled out our breviaries and we were praying morning prayer and the song was Lord of all hopefulness. And I just started crying because I did not feel hopeful. I felt despair and I was so scared. Um, we got to the airport and I strapped my backpack on and gave him a big old fake smile and went to the airport. <laughs> and um, yeah, getting on the plane and Guyana is called the land of many rivers because land, yeah, land of many rivers because there's all kinds of water that crosses the country. And looking out my window, it was just green. And um, it reminded me of a National, Ge National Geographic video. And I just thought to myself, what am I doing? This is just so contrary to who I am. Like if those of you that know me, I'm not spontaneous. I'm not a risk taker. Um, I like to do what's safe and predictable. And this was just so far out of my comfort zone. And I think that's part of what compelled me to do it because I knew that it was gonna be hard and I didn't want to live in fear. And um, so I got there and I got my backpack and I was clutching it because one of the things, they said, be aware of thieves. And so I thought somebody might take my bag. <laughs> I just had all these ridiculous um, fears. Um, eventually, Sister Joy got to the airport and we took a taxi and then a bus and then a speedboat and finally a canoe into this little village. Um, we traveled probably for 12 hours that day. And once we got there, I really was out of my comfort zone and I, I couldn't really speak with the people and the food was unknown to me. And that night I crawled underneath my mosquito net and I just curled up and um, that was probably the height of my loneliness. And I just was trying to imagine the faces of my family and friends um, to fall asleep that night. Um, yeah, I really was paralyzed. And um, a couple days later, I was invited to go out amongst the village and invite people to come back to the church and receive the sacraments. And uh, we went to this couple's home, and they were both blind. And the woman started feeling up my arm, and she eventually had my face in her hands, and she said... Uh, I'm so happy you're here. And it was her just joy that started to soften my heart. Um, that I was realizing like I am just wallowing in, 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 in something that is restricting me from encountering Christ. And so eventually I was there for six weeks and uh, the Lord slowly softened my heart through the people I encountered and through the little kids that I taught in the afternoons, the lifestyle was really simple. You know, we got up in the morning and had mass and prayed and um, and then we would go to market and beg for food and and then in the afternoons we would visit the sick or the poor and um, it was very simple um, but very joy-filled and I went there with this desire to be like Mother Teresa and to serve and to enter into the suffering of these people and I was actually really ashamed of my own limitations that I found 
that I realized about myself. Um, we would visit this man. His name was Uncle Bolo, and he was dying. And the other girl that was with me was so good about approaching him and being tender with him. And the first few times we visited, I just stood in the shadows because I was afraid of approaching him. And by the end of the trip, I was able to take his hand and pray with him. There was another woman. Um, her name was Teresa. And the parish had found her living in a public restroom. And she was a severe alcoholic. And so they built her a one-room shack, essentially, to live in. And every night, Sister Joy would ask me, uh, do you want to go visit Teresa? Because they would take her food. And even though my stomach would just drop, I would say, yep, I'll come along. And um, this too, like, <laughs> we would walk there in the dark, and alongside the pathway there was this tall grass, and I was afraid of cockroaches and snakes, and, and I was afraid of finding her passed out. Like, I was afraid of her own despair. And I was talking to the Lord about courage. And I said to him, I still feel afraid. And he said to me, um, courage is stepping forward in the face of fear. And my friend said to me, courage is letting love win. And uh, I think that's what I took away from that trip was that Despite my what I saw as my own weaknesses, the Lord was able to work through that. And um, he continues to call me into these situations that I don't think I can handle. <laughs> Probably because I try to handle everything. <laughs> and he um, pushes me to the point where I think I'm going to break. And then um, he reveals his strength and his love. You know, perfect love casts out all fear. And uh, I just am amazed that he continues to use me despite my fear and my own disqualifications. Um, and he never leaves me alone. <laughs> and that's, I think, the biggest thing, that um, he is always with me. So thank you for listening. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.